Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, Joe, well, this is uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is one of those topics where he's going to humiliate me. He doesn't even tell me what uh, he's doing, but he's got his Greek New Testament out, which is a little <laughs> well, bit scary. All I told him is that this is going to be a little test for John's Greek. I hope you've been keeping up. You, how often do you go into the Greek when you're preparing a homily? Uh, you know what? Oh, I, I guess that would involve actually looking at the scriptures. Oh, watch your mouth. Well, hopefully my performance today is a little better than the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Ouch. Uh, losing to the Chiefs. So. You know, actually, yeah! actually, That's right. Last night, I, um, for one of the first times in my life, I watched an entire Eagles game and they lost, and I actually just felt great. I mean, I was I was disappointed, but I I, I went outside and I was like kind of doing my night prayer before I went to bed, and I was like, Lord, I'm okay with this, you know. Maybe I'll be okay with my life if the Eagles never win the Super Bowl. And honestly, it's taken me 28 years to get to that place, so <laughs> so you know, it's it's hard being a Philadelphia conversion fan. is possible. It's just gradual. The so. cross is the glory for Philadelphia fans. And uh, so. That's all we get. So it better be the glory. Well, here's what I'll say to you, um, you know, my young condescending deacon. Um, I found a um, a different version of the Greek New Testament. It's actually printed by Zondervan, and it's a, my, Father Mike Rapp had it a couple weeks ago. And what it is, is this is for those of you who studied Greek and are losing it fastly. <laughs> like everything is Like fun. half our audience, I'm sure, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're 30 and you're getting fat and you, you're losing Greek, uh, like most of you, I'm sure. Um, but what it does is it gives all of the words that are, are not 30 times or more right at the bottom. So it footnotes oh, it cool. right to the bottom. Because the problem with the Greek New Testament that Joe's holding is that I have a dictionary that's separate and it takes me forever to read. But I can just bloop, up, oh, bloop. That's great. So I can read. Now I'm reading the gospel uh, every week, and I can actually do it at a Whoa, fairly decent pace. look at you. Pace. I know. Aren't you proud? You must be a South Pole elf. There you go. Um, okay, so this is the gospel of John. And arche en ho logos, kai ho logos en prostonteon. Okay. Kai theos en ho logos. John 1.1. One, one. What is that? In the beginning was the word. And? The word was God. Was with God. And the word was God. And the word was God. Okay, so this is that maybe a little a lot harder. ambitious for our podcast, but we had this is totally stolen material from my um, John Gospel of John teacher, Father Andreas Hoke. Oh, Joe Doman, thank you, thank you, yes, brother. Um, who's a he's a great great teacher. He's the academic dean of the seminary, um, but he spent a whole, definitely listens to the podcast. <laughs> definitely learning not. a lot. Uh, yeah. He spent the whole class period on this one verse. An archeo logos. Exactly, and it was awesome. It blew my mind. So I just like I was just like we should do a podcast on well, this. This would be super. There's just some I know yeah. right right out of a classroom. Oh my gosh! But uh, <laughs> so for some of you, this might be just like super dry and boring. Well, you know what? And for I'm some nerds out there, it might be really exciting. We got to make up content. Uh, I'm telling you, the, the rap global combo was like, you know, there's about 5% brain activity going on with that one. So I don't know. I haven't listened yet, but I have that hard. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Some bright guys. Okay. So NRK. In the beginning. In the beginning. And whole logos. So, okay. There is the whole logos is the word, right? Right. Now this term in, uh, when John uses this term, Hoke would say, Father Hoke would say, this is like a monumental thing because the logos was not something you find readily available all throughout the Hebrew scriptures or right. in early Christianity uh, before the Gospel of John was written. Right. Logos was a philosophical term, right? right. It was something borrowed from Greek philosophy. Um, but uh, So the Logos is what he's referring to Christ in, in, um, 
and the church is teaching now we would understand the logos referring to Christ, right? So he's saying in the beginning, the logos ain. This is the verb. The, uh, it's just the verb to be, right? Uh-huh. Do you do you remember what the tense is of this verb? Aorist. No, it's not the aorist. It's I the no imperfect. Idea. Okay, so what's the difference between the imperfect and the aorist? Do you oh, remember? Oh gosh, the perfect. Imperfect. Okay, they're both past tenses. So yeah, we just one tra- of them means- see. This is the problem with English: is that we 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 only have in the beginning was the word. Right. But the, in the Greek, there's a distinction between there's one kind of was and there's another kind of was. Okay, um, I'm rusty here, but I think um, one of them is an event that happened in the past, but the effects continue in the future. Oh, uh, that's perfect. Dang it. We're talking about imperfect. I don't know imperfect. Okay, so aorist would be in a, an event that happens in the past, and it's happened, and it's done. Okay. And when the, the author's not saying anything more about it other than that it happened. Okay. The imperfect is used, and so the aorist is like the typical past, past. tense. Yes. Uh, if, they don't, if they're just trying to say something happened. The imperfect, which is what this is, is something that was in the past, but it was a continuous action that was ongoing, right? Is that what I just said? No, you said ongoing, but no, you said something that happened in the past, but its effects are in the future. Okay. Effects going. To the it's future. ongoing. It's still going. Exactly. Well, it's ongoing. So what John's saying in the first phrase here: "En arche ein hologos." In the beginning was the word. He's saying he looking wasn't back. Wasn't is the word. What? No, not just wasn't is, but in the beginning, referring to in the beginning of all things, right? right. Uh, the word was, meaning it was okay. As imagine, like you're looking back into. The uh, it, from from the future into the past, and in the beginning, at this point in time, it's not like the word was created, but the word was like it was already existing in hmm. the beginning. Basically, what the implication here is that in the beginning of all things, in the beginning of creation, the word was already there. It's like you show up at the beginning, oh, and the word's already existing. Right. You know, there's so basically you have a christological uh, a dogma, christological a dogma of Christ uh, that you could pull out from this very first phrase. In the beginning was the word, meaning. In the beginning, Christ was already pre-existing. Mm-hmm. Like he was existing before. He wasn't created by God, but in the beginning, you show up at the beginning, Christ is already there. Gotcha. And in the infinitude of the beginning, looking back before then, you, we, there's no beginning of Christ. He already was at the beginning. He was at Does the beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So right there, in one phrase, you have the pre-existence of Christ. Bam. Okay, so we move on. Hold on one second. Yeah, does that make any sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah, right. Now, two weeks ago with Mike, one of the things we did talk about was Bereshit Barach Elohim, right? In the, in the beginning, God created. Yeah. When Bereshit, the Hebrew word in the beginning, is translated into the Septuagint, it's Anarche. So there's a direct play between the Greek rendering of Genesis 1. Ah, uh, yeah. And John one and Arca. It's the same beginning. It's the beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. So exactly. So throw yeah. in my two cents there. That's beautiful. So when John's saying in the beginning, he's immediately hearkening back to creation. Yes. And the but beginning, God created. But, but the in the verb beginning, is saying it was exactly in the beginning, God didn't create the logos. Right. The beginning, of the logos already was. Right. It was there in the beginning. Right. Um, okay. So that's one. You have the preexistence of Christ. Right. Nice. Then you have Kai Ho Logos in Pros Ton Theon. So in the beginning, hologos, the word, ain, was, the same verb, pros ton theon. With. Pros was with God. So ton theon is God. But so do you remember what pros means? Uh, with. <laughs> That's how it's translated in English. Um, but actually, if you learn it Greek 101, From? Uh, pros is actually to or towards uh, when it's used with the accusative like it is here. So you have, in the beginning, the word, literally it says the word was towards God. We've translated with God. So what? What do we? Why do we have with God? Yeah. Well, what the the word the preposition here pros, it 
actually means when it's used with another person, like one person was to or towards another person, was pros another person. It means in relation with, mm. in conversation with. Mm. You can you can see it in some places in Greek where it would be like in in uh, in an intimate conversation with. Mm. Uh, so it immediately, uh, with the logos being pros God, uh, it's saying the logos was in a relationship with God. So in here, in the second phrase of the Gospel of John, you have uh, a connotation of personhood. The logos not only was the logos existing at the beginning, but this logos was a person. In relationship with God. So we derive the, per- the personhood of the Logos from its relationship. Exactly. Okay. Like only persons can be in, in, co- in conversation within a personal relationship right. with another. And so in the first two phrases of the Gospel of John, in the fir- first verse, we haven't even finished verse one yet. of Christ. Yeah, the preexistence of Christ, the personhood of the Logos, the personhood mm-hmm. of the second person. The and Trinity. then the divinity. Well, and then you have exactly last verse, last part of the verse. Kai theos ein ho logos, and the word was God. So, translate. How would you translate that literally? Kai theos ein ho logos. Kai theos. Remember, I can't hear languages spoken. That's why I stink at Spanish. Right? Thank you. Hands me the gospel. Okay. Kai theos ein ho logos, and the word, or sorry, and God, and God was the logos. They're both. Nominative. Uh, yeah, but what is God missing? Uh, it's missing ho. Exactly. So what does that mean? So in Greek, you have these uh, articles, right? So, and the word was with God. We say the word ho, logos. Yep. But when ho is missing, when the is missing, in Greek, how you learn how you learn to re- read Greek is that if it's just logos by itself, it's just a word instead of the word. Uh. Um, so here it just literally says, and the word was the word a God. Was a God, whoa, which is really funky, you know. And we obviously don't translate; we just say the word was God. Um, and what I mean, this has been misinterpreted in early times uh, with, oh, maybe there was multiple gods, you know. This is um, how it can be spun. But there's another way that you could use this instead of saying the word was a God. It can connotate the word was godly, or he. Havel Hook said a perfectly accurate translation would be the word was. Um, divine hmm. like that's that's basically what the Greek's trying to say here isn't that uh, there's another God or that uh, but basically saying that the word had a divine nature and doesn't John this is super uh, this could get this is such a nerdy podcast this guys really this is, is like way over most yeah sorry I'm sorry everybody it's interesting though they've heard it before the uh, I was under the impression that when Theos was used it referred to the father in John, in Jonine literature. Oh, my, that's possible. Okay. I haven't gotten that far. I've only Anyways. gone through one. We were only on the first chapter. That is that is a super boring point for most people. But I actually, <laughs> I don't think this is boring. This, this is, is a bad this idea. Is no, this is interesting stuff. The thought of, because everybody says, everybody says that to me all the time. Well, where does Jesus actually call himself God? You know, and where does he actually refer to it? Well, it's like, well, that's a, that's a complex question. He does refer to himself as God, but... What's interesting is that he does it through action, primarily. Well, not only that, John spells it out. I mean, in the in the prologue, he says, he talks about the word in the beginning, the word, so the preexistence of Christ, right? And then the word was with God, the personhood of Christ, the right. logos. Uh, that, and, the, and the word was divine. The word was God. Like, he shared, he participated in the divine nature. Um, so you have this logos that is preexistent, that is a person, that is divine, and then you know you go down a few verses and kai ho logos sarks again the toe. 
Yeah. And the word became flesh, the logos, this thing that is this whatever pre-existent personal divine being logos becomes flesh. Right. And that's that's who Jesus is in the Gospel of John, you know, which is in John. There's just like this. They call it, you know, the uh, was a high Christology, yeah. meaning like, you know, you can't miss it in the Gospel of John. That Jesus is definitely God. John's trying to make that point incredibly clear. And I, th- I think we've probably talked about this before, but John is super interesting because the Gospel of John has 96% new, uh, different material than the synoptics. Yeah, so the synoptics, which is a fancy term for meaning, referring to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the three Gospels, and then the first three Gospels, uh, they call it synoptic, meaning w- uh, seeing things the same way, meaning they're all kind of have similar material, right? Right, right. But yeah, John, the Gospel of John is 93, 96% uh, unique, right? Right, and it's written right at the end of the uh, first century, too. It's And it's with a different purpose, you know? And uh, but it is yeah high Christology is what we'd call it. It's this kind of you know um, amazing, amazing kind of mystical, um, but also very philosophical understanding of Christ. To call Christ God is a phil- it's an ontological move in the sense of you're saying something about His being, mm. right? And um, and and that's that's the relationship between history and events and action, and then philosophy and um, ontology, as we'd say, uh, questions of what a being is, that's a very important thing for the development of the early church. And, and it's going to be very, very um, exciting and kind of this move in John. So I, I think the biggest thing is just we forget how radical that is. We yeah, just read that. Wild. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The game was the word, word was with God, the word was God. What does that even mean? The yeah. word was with God, the word was God. Yeah. But uh, the, I think the point, part of my uh, desire to do this was just to unpack that if you get underneath the translation, mm-hmm. there can be so much more that's implicit uh, in the original in the original scriptures, which is beautiful. And John and Eusebius, uh, who wrote the tr- the first history of the church, right in right. like the fourth century, three hundreds. Uh, he's the first. He's the first uh, person who talks about the Gospel of John, like the circumstances of it being written. And he says that it was the last book of the New Testament written, the last book of mm-hmm. uh, the last of the Gospels, and after all of Paul, and the last thing John wrote. Uh, so this is after. Uh, everything John uh, had watched everything else be written about Christ and about the Christian way of life. Um, and Eusebius says, being familiar with the three other Gospels, he wanted to add things that he thought weren't left out or things that might have been misunderstood. Interesting. And so that's why so much of it's different and new because John knew about this other stuff and he kind of saw this as a large and very important appendix yeah. to what people had known about Christ through the Gospels. Yeah. So, and I think we mentioned this in a podcast. Probably. Um, but the three letters of John are actually correctives to Gnostic misinterpretation of the Gospel of John. Yeah. So 1, 2, and 3 John, way at the end of the New Testament, were written right around 99 A.D., because it was already being misconstrued, um, and it was already kind of John. It was already kind of spinning. Uh, it was being spun out of control. Um, shifting back though to the word, though Christ is the word. I was uh, giving it to the lectors last night in their training, and I was getting all passionate. And this is like a classic parish <laughs> lecture Thursday night lecture training. Could it get more boring than that? And I'm up there <laughs> freaking out about how um, I had this. I, I don't know when this was, but it, at a certain point in my life, it sunk in that, like, the Word of God, this is big for Balthazar, the Word of God is not the Bible, right? And it's big for Goronsky, too. Yeah. The Word of God is not the Bible. The Word of God is the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so what I was telling these lectors is, 
you know, you're not the JV squad who kind of come on to mass and you kind of do the reading and then you go sit down and then like the varsity team come out. That's the Eucharistic ministers. Like, you know, that's where it's like you, you've really arrived. It's like it's because it's all about the Eucharist and this first half of mass. Well, hopefully the homily is good. Right. That's basically how Catholics look at it. And it's like, no, if the word is the person, the second person of the Trinity being proclaimed, the two forms of that are in the sacred scripture, the sacred word. And then also in the Eucharist. And the church holds those two in equal esteem. Mm -hmm. So I told them, you are proclaiming the word, which is the person. And that proclamation is just as important, just as powerful, and should be just as effective as the reception of the Eucharist in the Mass. They're a unity, but it's the twofold expression of, of the word, which is Christ. And then I said, if your whole purpose, your whole ministry is the proclamation of the word, but that doesn't mean reading from a book. That means the proclamation of a person then that person has to become incarnate in your heart in a deeper way, right? The incarnation of Christ, if we want to really give them and evangelize it, they have to see the word becoming incarnate in us, dwelling richly in us, as Paul says, Mm. right? And I said, that's your fundamental task. That's actually the, the source of your ministry. If you're up there proclaiming the word in sacred scripture and you first are living it because the word who is the person of Jesus is abiding deep in your heart, it's going to totally change the way that you look at things and the way that they experience it. Yeah, so they, I, they, they, get, they thought they were just showing up to figure out like when to bow. They were getting and, it know, last night, when man. Do, do, I, do I bow with the person doing the psalm after? Exactly. I and they actually, that was what the majority <laughs> of questions. And, and we made some changes, and then it was like, what do you mean we're taking that away? And I'm just like, oh, gosh. Ameri- Americans were so practical. We just don't. We don't want to talk about principles. We don't want to talk about theology. Just tell us what to do. And yeah, it's right. just like, oh. <laughs> so, so they missed all of it. No, they got a lot of it. They that's great, though. It. No, that's it true. Was sweet, man. Proclam- proclaiming the logos. But that's a big thing. The word of God. I think this is big. This is actually, I'll even say, I think it's a difference that we have with a lot of Christ- a lot of non-Catholic Christians. Yeah. I really think you ask a Protestant, what is the word of God? It's the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you ask a Catholic, what is the word of God? It is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is and the And I word. actually think if you dig a little deeper in Protestantism, they'll get down to that. But there is the temptation to For reduce sure. the faith to a, a religion of the book, which is if the word of God is just the Bible, then it's we're no different than Islam. So mm-hmm. that's there's my little rant. <laughs> that's rant. And i got to go hear confessions. All right. So we won't do emails. Since Sorry, no Father emails. John's running out of time. but We'll, uh, we'll get to your emails in uh, November. Oh, so, uh, But, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, you know, this is a good one if you, you know, have trouble sleeping at night. You want to just kind of put this one on repeat and every night. And, yeah. You know, so I'm happy you didn't totally destroy me with <laughs> the Greek. Well, but, don't worry about it. But uh, we always appreciate you listening. And, um, yeah, send us your emails, catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com.